Hi, Mamas. Or Mamas to be. I'm Kayla. And I'm Tara. And welcome, welcome to, to Motherhood, Motherhood Leaked. We're two first time mums leaking unfiltered tales of motherhood. Being there, getting there, and possibly getting lost along the way. Let's, Let's chat. chat. May contain swearing. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Motherhood Leaked. Hi, Kayla. Hi, Tara. How are you today? I'm feeling good. It's a beautiful day, actually. It is. How a- good is this weather? I just feel very like. If there's a word for like, um, I'm gonna say om. not om. I wouldn't say definitely not om. I feel centered. I feel grounded. I feel good. Okay. Like good is you know, good's a very broad word, but I just feel it quite is. grounded. Troy and I had our first like proper designated designated can't be that. I'm also my luteal phase, so that yeah, speaking affects. has been an issue. Today. Anyway, um, we had our first proper like date night. Ooh. Troy and I aren't, have never been in our relationship. We've been together for 15 years. We've never been the type to be like, oh, we have to have a date night. And for us, it kind of added more pressure, especially in early parenthood. Yeah. Um, even right through it now, actually what we've found most helpful is surrendering and both being on the same page that this season is about not necessarily giving everything to our child, but to our family. And like a lot yeah. of our quality time comes from moments that we're all together or just the smaller moments, making the most of the small moments. So it might be like, having a shower together once Elliot goes to bed or like spending 10 minutes on the couch, sitting and having a chat or watching yeah. an episode, whatever. Anyway, the point is we had our first designated date night yes. um, at home because we have a toddler. Hi, Brenton. He just Hi, wandered Brenton. in. Um, speaking of husband stuff, yeah. <laughs> Brenton, you might want to listen up, <laughs> get some ideas. <laughs> um, anyway, so we had this date night um, and I bought online, it's called the adventure challenge and it's this book where I've seen these. They're on Instagram, aren't they? They're they on Instagram. Up. Yeah, okay. Um, I had it like saved as a link in my phone for like over a year. And just recently, you know, we've gone through just patches of feeling quite disconnected. Like you do it. I feel like in parenthood, you go through waves. Yeah. I remember when I was seeing a um, perinatal psychologist in, in the early months with Elliot when I was feeling quite overwhelmed with motherhood. Um, she said to me, she she described it as like a like a wave of in and out. Like you come through in the first two years, particularly a parenthood, you'll come in really close and connect and then you can feel like you're just so far apart. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we've been feeling like, you know, we've been going through those waves and again and again. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to buy this book. Like out of the two of us, I'm the spontaneous one, I've realized. Yeah. I always had this expectation that he's going to be spontaneous, but he's just not like that. That's okay. <laughs> you're like so 15 like, years in, you're like, you finally realize. 15 years in, I've accepted it. Um, <laughs> it's not to say that he won't be spontaneous in the moment with me, which yeah. is great. He will. He meets me there. Um, so anyway, bought this book. What was the it first arrived. Thing? I want to know. And so it, what it is, is like there's, yeah, I think there's like 50 challenges in it or something. And um, they're like scratch off challenges so you don't know what they are until you decide okay we're going to plan it like we planned ahead we were like okay yeah. when are we going to do this and I just was like let's do Friday you have a night. child you have to plan ahead you got to ebb and flow life. with it but Friday night felt good last night felt good so I scratched it off and it was called the helpless baker this is the challenge now I will say that they do have an in-bed version I was and... about to say this is not a sex game is it to Kayla yeah so I did tell Tara that I bought both <laughs> I'm just going to put it out there I bought both and Tara was like oh my god is, that, is this the from the, is this from the in-bed I don't even know what I'm picturing actually I'm not going to yeah okay it. so it wasn't in the sexual version of yes, the book please it's... explain the version okay so the helpless baker <laughs> it was basically one of you are blindfolded so I chose to be blindfolded and the other person has to cook like using you essentially like they can't tell you like pick up this and pick up that they've got to guide you by like holding you um it was actually really fun like it was fun to just have a laugh we put some music on we made an apple pie it was really yummy um we just got to spend some quality time together just doing something playful like and taking our parent hat off and i was thinking during like as it was kind of all happening how 
when I was in that, like, even like up until recently, like, I think it can feel like a pressure to get to that point with your partner again, especially if you felt really close and connected before becoming parents, like Troy and I were really close and we spent all of our time together. So then having a child, you know, it just changes that dynamic. And I think it's been good to just go through that wave of acceptance and then now being at a place where Elliot's a little bit older and our bedtimes are a little bit earlier and just going with that flow for now. Um, it's been, it's been nice. So it's oh, a good way good. to end the week. Yeah. How about you? Wake up so perky. Oh, so perky. Oh <laughs> no, actually that's a lie. I did not wake up perky um, because Elliot sometimes wakes up at like five, which most toddlers do, which is nice to actually talk about because it's pretty normal in my Very circle normal. of friends well for well. toddlers yeah. to be awake at five. Um, and he woke up in one, sometimes when he wakes up, he's like very calm and like, we'll just, you know, mommy come this way and give me a, like a moment to just wake up. But some days it's just like, oh, it's yeah. like he's got woken up with a demon in him or something. I don't know. It's just that. like hard. And I don't know about orange. you, but I find that hard to be woken up. So it's totally not his fault. Yeah. Me managing that is putting the TV on and he watches the movie and I laid there next to him and yeah. had him a bit more of a sleep. But anyway, that's okay. We got through that and then we had a beautiful morning. So yeah. That's good. How are you? What's been happening? I had my 33-week scan this week. So wow. just to check that my placenta had moved up so mm-hmm. that I can birth vaginally. And which is that's going well and it's going well it's moved it heaps so great i've got plenty of room down there yeah i don't have plenty of room in my stomach because oh my god <laughs> this baby feels huge like i think he said it's roughly 2.4 kilos i know they can't tell but he's estimated mm. given the measurements mm-hmm. that that's what was what... Bo? just out of curiosity because i i elliot was 3.7 kilos when he was born so Bo was... was born at 3.5 yeah okay so yeah. but i've still got what seven weeks to go ago. a little while to go mm. so don't they grow the most in that last i'm mm. hoping he doesn't well, I say he, but I don't even know what it is. He or she doesn't grow any more than a kilo in that last month. Wish me luck. But it just, it just feels so big. The movements are huge. I'm going to kick in the guts currently. because um, Oh, I love baby. it. I'm sitting here. I love Oh, totally. is that you laughing yeah. at him? No, that was that. The baby. Oh, my that God. That, it's the, like if you baby. imagine a drum, like that, like that's what it's I like. I don't remember Bo's being this big. And I don't know if it's the second time around, but it's just, it's huge, the movements. So that's exciting. I just want to say, I was thinking about this as I was driving here today. You take, pre- I know everyone has their own journey with pregnancy, but I must say, Tara, you take pregnancy in its stride. Like you are, you. I just forget that you're in the third trimester and you're very close to having another child. Oh like God, you I so just so like, you haven't complained about having a toddler. Like you've had your moments, obviously, where you're just real with me yeah, and you're like, this is hard. But you are just like, you haven't placed a lot of expectations on both. I'm saying like, that, look, I'm lucky. Like I'm not, like I know that women struggle sometimes. I know, that's what I'm, I'm saying. I'm saying very much that. Yeah, but I'm very I also lucky in the think... fact that I have, like, don't have a lot of symptoms. I, for no. some reason, my body takes pregnancy quite well. It's, mm. um, and, you know, I, you know, I had the miscarriage the first time around. Mm. Um, and I just guess... You know, you know, I appreciate being pregnant as well because I know but how I think hard that's it can a part be. of it, though. Like, yeah. I think that's what I can feel is like you actually. Uh, again, this is not this is your journey, and yours is that yes, you have yes. in terms of symptoms wise, it goes yeah. very well. But in saying that, I feel like you embrace pregnancy is the word yeah. I'm looking for. You it. embrace for, for all aspects, and you surrender to the moments where you're like, no, nah, I just got to stay at home because I'm tired, and I got to yes. do this stuff with. I, it's funny you say it because last night I did have a rough night, like I was mm. in a lot of pain. Mm-hmm. I am starting to get a lot of heavier in the front, mm-hmm. um, and I was just having struggling with a lot of back pain, but. Um, yeah, I feel good today. Good to hear. Yeah, and we're so excited about this week's episode too because we we're discuss, always excited. But we're always this was excited. Great. This we was talk a fun about chat. sleep and breastfeeding. Yeah, so we we've had um we've talked about that before on the podcast. But Mel from Cocoon and Cradle, who we have on today, um, she talked very much about that holistic type of sleep and sleep without sleep training and like supporting the mother, which I really love, and the baby. And she's very real with expectations around yeah. sleep. Um, we kind of cut 
through some of the noise that's out there and misconceptions on sleep. So I hope it leaves you feeling reassured, if anything, from this podcast, if you are going through yeah, well, the- Especially me coming into my second pregnancy. I'm like, this is a really great chat. Like I'm just yeah. I'm learning so much from all of our guests. It's really exciting. It's good. So should we jump in? Let's do it. If you're based on the Gold Coast, Bump Southport offers a community for all women. Whether you're returning to or starting your fitness journey, Bump has something for you. Particularly if you're pregnant or postpartum. And Tara, should we mention that you can have a shower after a class and even wash your hair while your kid is in the creche? And Kayla, don't worry about a towel because they supply them, as well as tea and coffee, and you can drink it while it's hot. I know, this sounds all too good to be true, but head on over to Bump Southport and check them out for yourself. So hi, everyone. Thank you for joining us. We have Mel today from Cocoon and Cradle. Hi, Mel. How are you? Hi, I'm very good. Thanks. How are you both? Good, thank you. We are good, and we're super excited to have you on. I was telling Tara before we started recording how I came across you, um, being another Gold Coast mum, actually. I think that's how I stumbled across your wonderful resource on Instagram. Oh, um, thank you. <laughs> when I was in the yeah in the depths of sleep deprivation <laughs> with my at the time I think Elliot was maybe around 12 months old. So it was about a year ago that I came across oh, wow. you. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. Cool. So, I didn't realize that you've been like, you know, following me for a little bit. Yeah, one of my um one of my friends who has a baby that's or toddler now that sleeps very similar to my son, which is not very well. <laughs> yeah, um, does not sleep. Um she I think she came across you first and then um yeah, it was very much how I felt when I stumbled across your page, very reassuring and not a lot of pressure. Um yeah. you know, that to feel like I was doing something wrong, but just, you know, I just love your whole kind of vibe on there that's very much reassuring of mothers. So can you oh, tell us a little bit about um yeah, who you are, what you do, your background. Yeah, yeah, sure. So, um, so my name's Melissa. I'm the owner of Cocoon and Cradle, um, and that's a basically a service that supports mum with breastfeeding and with sleep as well, but without any sleep training. And background wise, so I'm a paediatric nurse and a midwife, and I've been doing that for over ten years now. Um, and then I also became an international board certified lactation consultant, so an IBCLC. I know that acronym. I think I say IBCLC a lot when probably not many people know what it is. That's why I can't tell. Like, yeah. I, I actually space fell out what it is. Yeah, um, I so actually never knew what it was. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know what it was either. Yeah, I knew it was important. Like, to be honest. Yeah, because I didn't even until I started studying it, I wasn't even I wouldn't have even known what an IBCLC was either. So yeah, um, and then a holistic sleep coach as well. So I kind of tie all of those things together and I'm also a mum of three kids now so I've just had my third baby four months ago she's just turned four months old so all of that experience and the qualifications tend to work pretty well in supporting mums yep and putting all of your own you know stuff into practice yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah tell us um with your approach to I guess you, you mentioned holistic sleep and sleep without sleep training. Can you tell us yeah. a little bit about what that actually looks like? Yeah, so I think a lot of the time with like your traditional sleep training, it's all about there's a lot of separation between mum and baby and it's more of like a behavioralist approach with, you know, stopping a certain behaviour. So you might hear of things like cry it out where they'll essentially leave baby or they might space the time that you go back into baby and it essentially signals to baby that, um you know, they're not they're they're not going to get the response that they're seeking as they kind of give up and go to sleep in the end. Or if they're left too long, what happens is that their behaviour keeps escalating and escalating and escalating and then essentially the body will shut down to try to preserve energy um, and that's kind of the opposite of what I'm trying to do. So um, with sleep without sleep training, it's more so looking at all of the different factors that affect sleep because there are so many um, and optimising as much as we can um, 
in order to help promote sleep for baby and for mum and also trying to focus on that attachment and the connection. So it's really focused on a really responsive approach rather than than an unresponsive approach you'd get with traditional sleep training. Yeah, yeah, I love that. If that makes sense. Oh, definitely. <laughs> no, it and totally it can be does. a bit like I think the whole sleep training process or, or the, you know, can be wording could even be a bit triggering. Um, yeah. And never, like we never, as bad, like Bo wasn't a great sleeper um, and I never went and did any sleep training. I did, I tried different, you know, things including like um, awake times and things like that. Yeah. But I never wanted to go down that path because I found like they were not very flexible. Like everyone kind yes. of has their own, you know, way of doing them. Um, you know, I think there's one that you have to put 15 blankets or something on top of a baby. And that to me, I wasn't comfortable with that. And I know some, it works for some people yeah. and that's fine, but I just know for myself, um, what you offer sounds, I don't, honestly, I didn't know there was like the sleep, you know, hold it, holistic sleep stuff without mm. the training yeah. in a sense. Yeah. Um, and so I think that's... it's something that's really like, sorry, I just started you off. No, that's, that's something okay. that's really not talked about because I was just talking to my friend at the park, literally about two days ago. And we were saying how with our first, neither of us even knew there was an option between like yes. cry it out or wait it out. Yeah. And, you know, first time around since five years ago, we were both talking about, oh, like, you know, they're eight weeks old, should we start sleep training them? You know, what do we do when yep. there's so much like stress and confusion and overwhelm? And then now like she's onto her fourth baby and I'm onto my third and yep. it's just so different. I just think like the more you know, it just empowers you, I suppose, and gives you more options and then you mm. can make a more informed choice of what works best for your family. Yeah. And knowing that, really knowing that every child is different too. 100%. I mean, that's so important. Like I think that we yeah. put this label on babies, like they're all meant to sleep the same and, mm. you know, do all this stuff, but it's like, oh no, they're so different. Like, like we yes, are. Totally. And exactly. I think that's, it gets confusing as well when you have a baby who doesn't fit the norm of the noise, I would say, like um, yeah. that noise around routines and awake times and just, you know, the ones that in inverted commas sleep well, when you have a child who mm. doesn't fall into that, who is more wakeful, who is more um dependent upon closeness it is harder from my own personal journey like I knew in my gut was always telling me everything was fine but it's really hard to battle with those um conflicting opinions when you're a new mom is it could you help parents to understand if they have a child like that or just looking at their own baby how can parents differentiate between sleep disturbances that are developmentally normal through growth of their baby versus if there is an underlying problem? Yes, I suppose a big thing would be understanding what normal infant sleep looks like. Because as you say, I think we've got a lot of us probably don't have a realistic expectation when it comes to our baby's sleep. Um, And so, you know, you might be thinking that by the time your baby's eight weeks old, they should be sleeping all night, every night, when really that's just not a realistic <laughs> expectation. Um, and if you've had a baby, I'm Sorry sure you're like, yeah, say, there, like yeah. nodding along now, being mm-hmm. like, yeah, yep. <laughs> that's not realistic. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and like you say, all babies are different. So you will get those babies who are higher sleep needs and will have a lot of sleep in a 24-hour period. But then on the same end of the scale, you get the babies that have lower sleep needs and won't need as much sleep in a 24-hour period. And mm-hmm. either right or wrong, it's just that they have, they're just different. Like you and I are, like we were saying before, and they just have different sleep needs. Yeah. So I think in terms of what understanding normal sleep looks like, there's a large study, and I was just looking at the reference now, that of over 55,000 children that were 6 to 18 months, and they found that over 80% of them woke one to three times per night, and most of them having night feeds when they did wake. 
Wow. So I think that's something good to think of is that 80% of these children yeah. are waking at least one to three times. So if you were in, if your little one is waking and they're between that six to 18 months, and we know the night working happens after 18 months as well, but this is just what this study mm-hmm. was um, looking at age-wise, there you are within the norm and it's really, you know, that 20%, so it's such a smaller number yeah. that, you know, of babies that haven't been, you know, Haunted. that aren't waking up that much. So I think, yeah, having an understanding um, of what normal sleep looks like. And obviously there's more to it, but that just gives you an idea. And then in terms of sleep disturbances, I suppose you want to be looking at what maybe some red flags might be when it comes to sleep. So um, there's certain things like, for example, like airway issues or tongue ties can affect sleep. Um, and one of the easy checks you can do for that is if we know what's normal, then we can check for what's abnormal. So when we're looking at a little one's mouth when they're sleeping, um, the normal is for them to have their lips sealed, just like you both do at the moment, mm-hmm. and our tongue suction to the roof of our mouth and breathing through our nose. And we don't want any snoring or any other weird noises going on with that. Yep. And so the abnormal is then when they're sleeping, you'll see that their mouth is open. So just like you've got your head at the moment. Their mouth is resting um, just in an open position. So the lips aren't sealed. And you'll often notice that their tongue isn't suctioned to the roof of their mouth. It's kind of just sitting either low or halfway in the mouth. Um, they might be doing some mouth breathing. They might be snoring. Uh, and there's a whole heap of different symptoms as well that go into tongue ties. That kind of one thing that you can look at to notice, okay, well, that's something that's different from the norm. So maybe Mm. there's an issue going on that I need to delve into a bit further. Um, There's lots of different feeding issues that can affect sleep as well. So often you won't even realise that it's a breastfeeding issue that's affecting sleep. So seeing an IBCLC, if you are, you know, if you have any concerns or any queries, is honestly the best person to go to because they have the, they're the gold standard in lactation support and care. So we have more training than GPs, pediatricians, anybody essentially, like IBCLCs are at the top because you've got to have um, a ridiculous amount of, um, of basically hours spent supporting breastfeeding mums and you've got to see this yeah. four-hour test and then you've got to um, have these certain qualifications as well. So I would say definitely seek out an IBCLC if you are worried about any feeding issues and there's yep. a really great um I feel like sometimes as well when I say these things they're like well how can you seek out an IBCLC but there's a really great um, website in Australia and New Zealand called LCAN so Lactation Consultants of Australia and New Zealand and they've got a website that says find a lactation consultant and all you do is pop your postcode in and it brings up a whole list of your closest lactation consultants. Oh, that's amazing. Oh that's handy. We'll so that yeah that, yeah that's a great one if you're like how do I even get some Where do I start? Yep. Yeah. Um, and then things like wind can definitely, some babies are extra windy or might have colic symptoms. Again, that can be related to like tongue ties or feeding issues. Reflux can definitely cause issues with sleep. Allergies and intolerances is a huge one as well. So you might find that they're having like eczema or mucus in their poos or blood in their poos. These are all signs that something else is going on. Um, and then some babies, especially when they get a little bit older, low iron levels, so low sorry, low ferritin levels mm-hmm. um, can be linked to restless sleep as well. So okay. I'd kind of say like if you have a good understanding of what's normal, then you'll be able to think, you know, does this sit within normal? And then if you're worried about it, have a chat to like somebody like myself who knows a bit more, who can kind of guide you and help you. Or if it's a medical issue, have a chat to your GP or pediatrician. Yeah. Feeding issue, have a chat to an IBCLC. Yeah, that's super helpful. Yeah, that's great. Thank you. And um, what is the most common issue that new parents come to you with, do you find? 
Um, I would say it's varied. I think because I do the breastfeeding and the sleep, um, the breastfeeding issues probably mainly new mums who are having a lot of pain with feeding. Um, and a lot of the time it's issues like with attachment and positioning that can be the cause. I feel like a lot of the time we have a baby and we're so focused on preparing for the labour and the, like the birth that we then don't think past that. So then they oh, go yeah, to breastfeed so and they, yeah, don't have like too much of knowledge of breastfeeding or what to expect or what to do that can help them. Mm. Um, and so a lot of the time pain with feeding is probably, I would say, the biggest breastfeeding concern that mums come to me with. And then in terms of sleeping, um. I would say it's probably probably the main one would be like frequent night wakes and then a lot mm. of the time you do see with those like hourly night wakes um, that there are some red flags that are kind of yeah. sitting underneath and once you identify and are able to resolve those underlying issues, the sleep will naturally improve. Yeah. Um, and then for other babies who aren't doing quite hourly but are still kind of waking up a lot of times a night, sometimes even just adjusting, you know, going over and adjusting their sleep environment, their sleep hygiene, like, mm -hmm. you know, awake times, their activity levels during the day. Like there's so many different things that you can tackle yeah. without even looking at the sleep. Mm -hmm. well, it is looking at the sleep, but do you know what I mean? Like not sleeping, yeah, totally. you know, leaving them alone to cry. Yeah. Um, so they're probably the biggest two, I would say. I think that's a really good point that you just touched on there about how that there is so many factors when it comes to sleep. And oh, I know so that it can be almost, I, I think for me initially, I found that quite overwhelming in a sense because I was like, what, yeah. I was trying to get to the root, like what is it? Mm. Um, yeah. And as you go through a journey where you do have one of these, I wouldn't even say, I would say normal, like normal in the sense yeah. of like, yeah, babies are Wait, sensitive. They, yeah. They're developing like whether it's sensitivity to the, yeah, the, to the like brain development or whether it's their guts or whatever, like yeah. going on. Um, I know I did find it overwhelming to really try and figure out, okay, what is it? Um, mm. But in saying that, it's just, again, that process of exploring and trial and error. And is that sort of what you recommend if there is someone who comes yeah. to you, like just really trial and, trial and error through it? Um, yeah, trial and error can be a big thing sometimes. So with um with the families that I work with, I get them to do like a really in-depth sleep diary. So mm -hmm. often there'll be like something in there that pops out that I'm like, oh, okay, like, okay. you know, we can adjust that or change that and that could should help a bit. Yeah, yeah a lot of the times, especially um, when you're trying to identify, you know, if you don't know yourself, if you have like a, like you say, like high-knees sleep baby or low-knees sleep baby, trying to then work out, you know, do a bit of trial and error sometimes will kind of show you where they're at. So, mm -hmm. um for instance, like if you find that your little one is taking like 30 minutes to fall asleep and they're bright eyed and really happy and alert, that's kind of showing us that, okay, well, maybe they need a little bit more wake time and build a bit more sleep pressure mm. um, for that sleep. But if you have a baby who's like falling asleep at the drop of a hat, like within five minutes, or on the other hand, falling asleep in over half an hour, but really dysregulated, like back arching, mm. screaming, really upset. Mm. That might be showing us that, okay, they've been awake a little bit too long and maybe we need a little bit less awake time. So mm -hmm. there definitely is some troubleshooting involved in working out what's going to be best for that unique that unique child and unique family because, like we said earlier, everybody's different. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, and it's just like, you know, you might need 10 hours sleep a night and I might need eight hours sleep a night. Not that yeah. we probably either of us get that right now. I don't know. <laughs> Hell no. <laughs> What even is that? <laughs> I haven't slept like that for three years. I know. Years. I was yeah, Kayla, I know. Like, pregnant. I've got pregnancy insomnia, so I wake mm. up around 2.30 for a few hours. Yeah. Um, and oh I'm like, gosh. it's not fair the second time around when you're pregnant because I know it's your body's way no. of, like, preparing you for night feeds. Well, that's what you tell yourself anyway. That's, that's what, what I'm I telling do. myself. Yeah. But I'm like, I've been here. I've done that. My body should be letting me rest because yeah. I'm going to be up. Yeah. 
let me rest exactly that's what I felt like third time around as well I was like why am I waking up so much like I need to yeah need to rest in terms of your own children because you've got Mm. three how different has their sleep been have you had similar sleep journeys with all of them or um, pretty different. So Harvey, I didn't have, so I was already a pediatric nurse and midwife, but yeah. none of that prepared me really for after <laughs> having him. Um, and so I didn't really know too much there. I didn't, I wouldn't say I did sleep training with him, but I did leave him to cry for like one night to be like, okay, yeah, like, is this going to help? What's going to happen? But I couldn't do it. I was like, no, nah, my heart's just breaking. I can't mm. like, you just have that physical. I don't know about you guys, but it's like a physical need to like go to them. Isn't there totally. when they're upset? Like you have yeah. that like yeah. pull. Um, but then we worked out that he was quite a low sleep needs baby anyway. So, you know, after we kind of worked that out, that was a lot easier for us and his sleep tend to got a lot, got a lot better. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if, I find all babies are honestly just so different. Like he, he was sleeping through the night at probably eight months, which looking back on it now, I was like, oh, well, that's actually really young, I think, mm-hmm. to be like sleeping through the night. Harper, uh, she took a little bit longer. I can't remember how, when she started sleeping through um but she was probably like in the middle with her sleep needs and then Amelia now um I would say she's just like average like people ask me like the doctor when I was at her four month immunizations the other day they're like oh how's she sleeping I was like yeah like a baby like she wakes up you know a couple of times overnight like you get that question a lot and now my Mm -hmm. answer's just like yeah like like babies do like they wake up a couple of you know like yeah it's not worth um, even (laughs) yeah yeah going into that question (laughs) so they've all been they've all been a little bit different but um yeah I wouldn't say they're like they're like hugely, hugely different. Probably Harvey was the most, I suppose, with him being a bit on the lower side with these sleep needs. But I think yeah. it's almost, e- it's not easier. It's easier in some ways the more kids that you have because you've just got the different the experience, I suppose, to back you up. And I think yeah. when you go through different phases, you're more prepared and you're like, okay, well, you know, I remember this phase. It doesn't last forever. Whereas first time around with Harvey, I remember those first four months being like, oh, this is horrible. This is going to be what my life's going to be like forever. I'm yes. always going to feel this way. Whereas now, and I suppose we're doing so many more things differently now to kind of optimise her sleep anyway than I was probably doing with Harvey. But, you know, I don't stress about any of that. And I know probably that it's all, gonna, it's all phases. Yeah, no, no, I'm not as hard on myself. Like, like, like I'm much more stressed. Like, so hard on yourself. Not mm. that I know what the second yeah. time around's like yet. But... <laughs> yeah. You just mentioned yeah. before that you were doing some things different to optimise. Is it Amelia, your youngest? Yeah. Now? Yeah, Amelia's yeah. sleep as opposed to Harvey's. And I've noticed on your Instagram yeah. recently you've been sharing a bit about your co-sleeping journey. Is is that yeah. one of the things yeah. you've been doing? And can you share a little bit about that? Yes, that's honestly been like a game changer for us. Yeah. Um, it's been, yeah, we just are both getting so much more rest out of it. Mm-hmm. Um. And I know that co-sleeping isn't for everybody. Um, and if you are interested in co-sleeping, I've actually bought the book too for everyone. There's a little book oh. which I've actually bookmarked called Safe Infant Sleep by Dr. James oh, McKenna. Oh, um, that is honestly the best book ever. Um, so if you, if you are, I would say all mums need to learn how to co-sleep because even if you never plan on co-sleeping and hate the idea of it or you love the idea and would like to do it, you should always understand how to do it safely because I find that, when you look at the research, um, and there was a fairly recent study come out, which I can probably link to you guys after we talk, mm-hmm. um, out of the bed sharing, so obviously you get unfortunately deaths with cots and bed and deaths with bed sharing, but out of the bed, bed sharing deaths, 92 or 93% were in hazardous conditions. Mm. So this is like falling asleep in a you know recliner so far. Um, 
having risk factors. So basically you want to know how to co-sleep safely because we know that even mums who never plan on co-sleeping will often co-sleep at some point out of desperation, really. Yeah, Tara and I both um, put our hands up. Yeah, <laughs> and so I you want to, you want to know that. that when that happens that you know what to do, you know what's safe, you know what the risk factors are so that you can set up a safe environment because I find the last thing I want for a mum to do is be like so terrified to co-sleep that she then falls asleep in a recliner, which is mm. way, way, way more dangerous than falling asleep in like a safe setup in the bed. Yeah, yeah, totally. And I can, on my own journey, attest to that as well in terms of when you do know how to co-sleep safely, how much more rest you do get. Like that was the word you used before, rest. Yes. Like you may not necessarily, yeah. you're still waking to your baby, especially if you're breastfeeding. I mean, feeding or yeah. not, but like in that breastfeeding circumstance, like, um, they're right there. Like, and it just saves yeah. so much energy. I think for me at the start, I did have to get used to like the positioning being in that safety yeah. shape. I don't know if you want to touch on that a bit more, but I just, yeah, I learned, I like you went down that road of like, okay, I need to learn how to do this safely. I actually yes. by chance had a midwife at the hospital show me how to do it, which oh, I didn't awesome. even realize was not allowed. <laughs> I will not necessarily advocate for <laughs> Tara always tell, Yeah. Tara keeps point, telling me how she was just <laughs> yeah. looking at all the signs around being like babies are not allowed in the bed and all whatever, you know, all the SID stuff. Yeah. Whereas while I was lucky enough to have this godsend of a midwife who came and showed me how to side life feed, how to co-sleep. But the problem was I'd never thought about it before. Like while I was pregnant, I never thought about it. I honestly just thought I've got this beautiful bassinet that's in the room. I'm going to feed him. I'm going to put him down there. We're going to all go back to sleep. Got home and I was just like, no, this is not going to work. And also felt really confident in the hospital because the mattress was really firm. Um, It had rails on it, like felt really safe. Got home three days postpartum in an a hormonal mess blur mm-hmm. <laughs> like trying to feed yeah. that chaos and then just crying my husband be like how are we gonna do this but um <laughs> so definitely can yeah attest to how worth it is too i see um, i was always on the opposite end of that i was never like i hadn't planned on co-sleeping didn't want to yeah um, yeah i was always scared of it to be honest like it was mm-hmm. a big fear of mine um so i avoided co-sleeping um obviously yeah. there were times i did co-sleep because you just do because you, you fall asleep because mm, you're exhausted yeah um so um in terms of you know telling us what a safe and sleep environment was like is that would be really handy because i think second time around i probably would be more likely to co-sleep yeah um, yeah because yeah i was just I had a fear of it and i just never did because of that fear um yeah. and i guess maybe you know i this time around i'm not as fearful i you know i've heard so many good things about it um and can see the benefits of it and my sister yeah. has co-slept with all three of her kids as well um, but yeah, I've just always had this fear. I don't know, instilled in me. I don't know why, where it come from. I have to look well, into because that. society. Is yeah, well, probably in. exactly. Yeah, yeah. Western and I was like, more scared of, yeah. And I was up most of the night anyway because if he, you know, turn over or wouldn't, I'd be like, is he breathing? You know, mm. you do that anyway. Mm. So I'm like, yeah. if he was closer to me, it probably would have been easier, and I might have got a bit more sleep. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, so talking about, yeah, I suppose I think yeah, the fear is there's a lot of fear mongering and like blanket statements out there that are like just don't co-sleep and US is probably the worst for this but I noticed in Australia how you were saying in the hospital it's very much anti they're actually just starting to bring in policies now which are talking more about co-sleeping which is really interesting and I don't know if you know like Red Nose Australia like a safer co-sleeping kind of Mm -hmm. OSHA thing as well so basically we know that mums do it we know that's going to happen regardless of whether you say not to do it or not and so we want to talk about yeah how to do it safely so i highly highly recommend checking out that book safe infant sleep by dr james mckenna because it is 
it's so it is honestly such a great book for all mums to read. Um, so because version. basically, <laughs> oh yeah, fingers crossed. Oh, how good an audio book! That's the really other topic. But um, yeah, it's so much easier when you're a mum to have an audio book. But yeah, <laughs> check that one out. But essentially, the safest situation is for it to be a breastfeeding mum with no risk factors, um, in terms of co-sleeping. So. I should say in terms of bed sharing. So co-sleeping is kind of a broader statement, which means that you're sleeping within arm's reach of your baby. So you might have a co-sleeper bassinet that attaches to the side of your bed and you're still co-sleeping because you can reach your baby and touch your baby. The bed sharing is, I suppose, a type of co-sleeping where you're in the same bed. And in order to make that safer, we want to make sure that, yep, you're you're a breastfeeding mum and you don't have any risk factors in terms of no smoking during pregnancy, a smoke-free environment, out, you know postpartum as well so even even we don't want your partner or anybody smoking in the room or near baby yeah um, we want to make sure that you've got a nice firm mattress as we were talking about before we want to make sure that um your baby is still sleeping on their back for sleep so sideline feeding is amazing for when you're feeding overnight and during the day i just love it in general yeah, but we want to make sure so that great. baby's still then on their back when they're going to sleep so sleeping on their back is safest um, we want to make sure that there's nothing that baby can kind of get trapped in. So in terms of headboards and footboards or drawers, anything next to the bed. So in an ideal situation, you would have a bed, king size bed, or at least probably minimum queen size bed on the floor in the middle of your room. So you don't want it up against any walls or you don't want it up against any furniture that baby can get trapped in. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't want any pets in the room, ideally, just because they can jump onto the bed and sit on top of baby potentially. So if you've got like dogs or cats, things like that. And then we want to make sure that baby doesn't have any pillows or um, thick blankets, toys that are near them. Um, we want to make sure that baby's on the mum's side of the bed if possible um, because sometimes if you've got a partner who's particularly a heavy sleeper or not very responsive and baby's in the middle, that could be a risk of them rolling onto baby, so ideally next to mum. And then as we touched on before, I... mum's... Yep. Sorry, interrupt no, and fine. ask because in my head I'm thinking this. Um, I don't yeah. sleep with my partner at the moment anyway. He's in a separate room because he does yeah. you know, crazy hours, which is a blessing. Parents, <laughs> um, <laughs> lots of room. <laughs> um, so when you're if you're sleeping and you've got a blanket, but the baby is the baby under the blanket. Yes. See, oh, this is like completely because obviously I don't. Do so, it, so at the moment, because it's winter and it's yeah. cold where um where I live, it's fairly cold. So I try to keep the blankets kind of, I put um, Amelia in a sleeping bag, a long sleeve sleeping bag, just yep. because it's too cold otherwise. Um, okay. And then I wear like a warm hoodie um, that's got a zip at the front. And then I try to keep the blankets like just kind of almost at her like waist height. Okay. Yeah, um, just so posted, it's not going to go too high. Sorry yeah, to interrupt, okay. but I'm just visualizing. Yeah. And it, I just, I'm just thinking back to when I was learning about this and I just went trolling on Instagram to find videos. Cause when you read about it, it's hard to like get Visualize. that visual. Yeah. And you yeah. actually did a real, like in the last week or so, I think it was. Yeah. Um, yeah. Getting like how you sleep. And uh, you should have a look at it. Okay, Cause will, yeah. you showed how you yeah. sleep with the blanket, like up to your waist. And right. cause that again, was the first thing I thought of when you said that, I'm like, oh, but you don't want the, yeah, the blankets mm. worry me. That was my. Exactly. And we want yeah. baby to be at your chest height, not up near your face. So mm, like, yeah. you know, so if baby's a bit lower your chest height the blanket has to be a bit lower again um if you wanted like a proper <laughs> i only realized the other day that ergo pouch you know ergo pouch like yeah. a sleepy yeah, sleeping bag brand um they actually do like a mum version so if you do wanted they? to get do like they? yeah <gasps> they have like a mum version oh, so if funny. you were somewhere really cold where you find that you couldn't really get warm enough you could buy one of their like sleeping bags or oh sleep suits and then be like super safe so I, I, wish, doing that as well, I wish I had have known that when I had Elliot because that was part of my problem was that I was so 
I loved doing the bed chairing, co-sleeping, breastfeeding situation. Like yeah. you, I would just dress really warm up the top. I had like yeah. a flannelette like buttoned up on at the time. Um, and then, yeah, we, I would just use the blanket up to my waist and my husband would yeah. have a separate blanket in the same bed. So it was like, we couldn't, there was no way it was going to get on Elliot. Yes. But yeah. it was in the middle of winter. Like I had Elliot as a newborn yeah. and I just yeah. wish I hadn't known that. Yeah. Damn it. That's yeah. really cool. I'm going to keep that for next time. <laughs> yeah, awesome. it is a good idea. Otherwise you can get an oil heater. We just have not, we just, I just haven't got around to getting one yet, but you can get an oil mm. heater for the rooms as well. Totally. Um, just yeah. to make it a bit warmer. Yeah, no, the thank you. I appreciate Sorry for interjecting there, but I was just like, I need to ask this before I forget. No, that's a really good question. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I can go an oil heater if you do live somewhere like, because Gold Coast, I know, I'm saying it's cold. I'm complaining that it's cold. It's not really that cold compared yeah. to other yeah, places. But our, I, just got, I, just, I just got back from Melbourne a few weeks ago and I can guarantee this is all. I was it's complaining that it's cold and it's not cold. Yeah, but our houses no. get cold but our houses here. Do, they're, they're not, not prepared. That's true. to hold the yes. heat, our houses. They're built to hold, like to let the heat out. So that's you come right. to winter and it's like how, I feel like, it is actually colder in the house than out of our house in winter on the Gold Coast. I don't know about you two, but my yeah. house is freezing. Yeah, actually, like yeah, I, I have to dress yeah. warmer inside than outside. Yeah, Look, yeah that's true. That's the same. Yeah. Is always so oh, yeah. Being pregnant, yeah. Exactly. You are always yeah. hot all the time being pregnant. That's it. <laughs> Keep you warm at the moment. Um, but, yeah, so check out that book if you want a bit more of, like, a detailed, detailed, really? detailed yeah, approach. Okay. And you've got some pictures in the book as well that will show you. That's perfect. And so with your, in terms of breastfeeding, because I did see a video on your Instagram this week, is, yeah. and you've mentioned it a few times, what's your favourite position? What would you recommend for new mums? Do you think is side lying? Um, like for me, it was my favourite. I must admit, once I started doing that, I was like, this is Once you get changer. the knack of it, it's like Yeah, yeah. yeah side lying. So I remember with Harvey, I was like, okay, I need to get this down like day dot. Um, and yeah, with all three kids, I pretty much started it right from birth. Even with Amelia in the birth suite, I was sideline breastfeeding. Like I'd yeah. just given birth and they're <laughs> like, oh, wow, you're like, you're lying down. Like, they, you know, they had me kind of sitting up and it's just a bit uncomfortable. And I was like, no, I'm just, you know, I'm just going to lie down and yeah. do my own thing. And they're like, they'll really, they're like, oh, <laughs> they're like, yeah, they're like, oh, okay, you know, yeah, you know, yeah, you're yeah. we'll leave her alone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, I think sideline is honestly so beneficial. Like probably my least favourite of the ones that you get shown in the hospital, like where you're just mm. sitting up hunched over like a So baby. uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. I find like cross cradle and, and cradle hold are not the best of the lot of time, whereas I find sideline and even reclined or biological nurturing where you're leaning back to both of those are my favourite. Sideline probably one and then reclined. Can you give two, any I – I know for me when I was learning how to sideline feed, um, I had to like practice – really well actually it was a friend of mine who gave me this piece of advice was to practice during the day like don't just leave it to yeah. night time and practice in the day because it, yeah. it does take you're obviously figuring out breastfeeding anyway and it is yeah. something that you need to practice but is there any tips you can give on kind of getting it down pat like do you have any tips yeah. yourself yeah so definitely like you said during the daytime's best because nighttime it's just like you're tired and you're half mm. asleep and you can't really see um so have a go during the day try when baby is not too hungry so you don't want baby to be starving because then they're going to be like you yeah, know frantically searching for the breast yeah so try when they're not too hungry um and then try to get comfortable yourself so lying mm. on your side if you're finding you're not comfortable on your side you can put like a pillow behind your back or in between your knees to help as well and then in terms of where baby is we want them to be so in front of your chest, tummy to tummy. So we want their tummy facing yours. And the key is for you guys to be really close together as well. So you want to be super, super close. Um, and I know sometimes if you're not going to fall asleep, so it's not a time that you're really tired, you can use a muslin wrap under both of you and kind of wrap it around you both. And I might even do a reel on Instagram to show That's that you can kind of have them super, super up against your skin. Yeah. And then we want to make sure that they're down far enough as well. So we don't want their mouth at your 
breast height, your like nipple height. We want their nose at your nipple height because that's going to encourage them to really open up wide and get that nice mm. bottom half of your breast in their mouth as well. Because ideally, when we think about where we want their, um, where we want your nipple to be in their mouth, we want your nipple to be at the junction of their hard and soft palate. So if you lift your tongue up and run it down the top of your mouth down the back of your mouth you can kind of feel where it's hard and then where it gets soft mm-hmm. and that's where we want that your nipple to be in their mouth so if they get that nice big latch from underneath that's going to make it a bit easier um and they'll kind of have their head tilted back yep. so what that will mean is that their chin will hit your breast first and then their mouth will kind of go over the rest of the breast yep. um so yeah so to have a little practice during the day make sure you're kind of roughly lining up those things so tummy to tummy like nose to nipple height chin to breast first um, and really it just takes a bit of time sometimes, I think, because as we were mm. talking about before, all babies are different and some babies will hop on easier than others will as well. Um, but hopefully that helps a little bit. And then with their hips, if you pull their bum in nice towards your hips or their hips towards your hips, you'll create a bit of a V shape between you both. Mm. That'll help as well. Yay. Thank you. That's some great awesome. advice. Is there okay. any, um, I'm, I want to ask this because I'm keen to know, but what are you like your top myths that you hear about baby sleep? Oh, there's healthy. so many. Or maybe, mm. Yeah, I was going to say, there's so many. <laughs> there's ones so that many. irk you anyway. Ones, yeah, ones that irk you that you like. Ugh. Oh, probably like the ones that come up online that are like, this is how I got my four-week-old baby to sleep all night, like 12 hours overnight because, <laughs> yeah, exactly. You don't know if they're telling the truth. They're probably lies. It's very rare that a four-week-old baby would sleep 12 hours at night um, because, yeah. especially if they're breastfed, because their tummies are just so little and, when, you know, breast milk is really easily digested and we want them to be feeding frequently. Um, I Can I just other ones, I was just, before yeah. you move on to the next ones, I always look at those videos now and I remember even at the time thinking like the stuff they do, they show, you know, like the, the solid routine of like bath and the wind down and the red light and the white yeah. noise, like they tick, tick, tick all the boxes. And yeah. I think about how we keep talking about this, how all babies are different. Yes. And it's like some babies, you might have just hit the trifecta. Like exactly. <laughs> and you just got it all. Like, But it's like with Bo, yeah. like I mentioned on a podcast a couple of weeks ago, Bo going to sleep now, he's a pretty mellow kid throughout the day. Like mm. he's chilled. Before he goes to sleep, we need to rev him up. Like I'm not one of those people that yell at Brent and like my husband for like having, you know, rust, wrestling time with him because yeah. for Bo to go to sleep, he needs a moment before bed where he like revs himself yeah. up, gets his energy out. And like I know not yes. all kids need that, mm. but Bo needs it. Mm. And it works. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, rough and tumble play is so been, it's same for like Harvey, my oldest, rough and tumble play is the best yeah. for like a lot of kids. That's like their sensory release. Like they just need that time, hey, where they can get that mm. last bit of energy out, get all, you know, if they if they're that way inclined, like sensory wise, or they like that deep pressure of like wrestling and things like yep. that, then it can be the best. Yeah, I feel some people are really agree. scared to do that because they have this whole thing of the norm mm. bedtime routine where you should be quiet and read a book and all that kind of stuff. But yeah. so for anyone out there who needs to know, like some children, I think need that. Mm. Yeah, exactly. And all kids are different with what they want, especially sensory wise. Like some kids would love that, like wrestling, the deep yeah. pressure. Other kids won't like that at all, you know, and it'd be really overstimulating. So just trying to yeah, have a go and see, just see, if your kid likes it or doesn't like it and try to work out what they do like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, On to the yeah. next with Any other ones? Um, <laughs> oh, gosh, yeah, sorry. Honestly, there's so many, like know, cutting night feeds, mm-hmm. um, you know, like people who are encouraging people to like stop night, especially on young babies, like stop night feeds and really space feeds. They don't realise how then that can interfere with the mum's breast milk supply and that can really massively drop it and decrease it. Yeah. And so just like there's so much misinformation out there that then if you don't, no, like you might start doing these things and then suddenly your breast milk supply is like dropped hugely and you're like okay well why has that happened like I don't know why that's happened yeah um 
Yeah, so the, there's so many. I think I did a reel recently on Instagram as well that kind of went through a few of the myths. Oh, hang on. Oh, one of them was, yeah, <laughs> one of them was like, you know, you can't pat your baby after six months because it's too stimulating. Like, just oh, wow. yeah. honestly, there's just there's just so much rubbish. Another one was that I saw recently that I haven't put up was, um, you know, was saying drowsy but awake, and they were saying don't do it, and I was like, oh, good, this is like a supportive one of like why drowsy but awake doesn't work. But in the caption, it says no drowsy but awake is too like is too stimulating like you don't want them to know that you're going to be there when they're starting to get drowsy and fall asleep oh so God. really so it's even really taking like awake awake so oh, yeah it's wow. even going back like you don't want to do drowsy but awake you want to do like awake awake and I'm like wow. oh God. yeah it just goes on doesn't it so, yeah, <laughs> I just yeah, think it's I good for like new really... mums to understand that too because oh. when you are you get caught up as a new mum when you're oh, sleep like deprived. in the depths of like yeah. life changing you know mm-hmm. everything and yeah. you just believe things that you start reading and you know unfortunately know. there's it a lot of stuff out there Exactly. And it just makes you feel like crap. Like you yeah. read it and you're like, oh, well, this I just feel horrible now after being yeah. on that for 10 minutes looking at all these accounts. Exactly. Um, so I'd highly recommend just unfollowing anybody who doesn't make you feel good yeah. um, and just following accounts that do make you feel good and even just limiting your time on social media can be yeah. handy, especially if you find that you're getting in that comparison trap of comparing yourself to other mums. Um, yeah, It happens so I'd fast. Do, I, would do I don't that. know about you guys, but I've noticed recently how quick, even from like Tara and I've talked a lot about how like with meals and things with our boys, like we very much just like go with their flow and no pressure and whatever. Um, yeah. And I think I sent Tara a reel the other day of, you know, this, I think it was a bum like setting up, you know, like this massive plate of all these different choices and whatever. And that's great if that works for your child. But what I noticed in me is like, because I don't do that fairly, he eats what we eat. I, he gets a, just a normal yeah. adult plate and he eats off that and it works. Um, yeah. But it's interesting how it is really, it's so quick that your mind goes into comparison and thinking you're not good enough yeah. or thinking like I'm doing it wrong. And yeah, yeah, I think it is just a really good piece of advice there to remind us all to step back sometimes from social media, but also yeah. follow the ones that make you feel good, which That's is yeah. so powerful in the way of what you're doing. Like your yeah. page is very warm and it's very reassuring and it cuts through this noise, but not in a like aggressive shaming no. other people way. You're just very like yeah. just coming back to the roots of motherhood and what, our babies are like and what we are like as mothers and that instinctual feeling that is in us and giving yeah. people options as well also, yeah. yeah options and then i was going to say as well you, the research like the research is there yeah and you're like all back yeah. by that and that's really good oh yeah. thank you that's really nice to hear yeah. it's always nice to get like lovely feedback you never know what people think sometimes so yeah it's nice to hear no i really appreciate this chat today actually it's, it's been great been should really we wrap good. up with our last final yeah final i think questions? we should get to our because that's just gone so quick we've got covered well, so is there much. anything else you'd like to mention really yeah before we do anything else that you oh, no. that we haven't no, okay. Nope. Okay. <laughs> i'm sure we could have you back for another, another yes. episode to talk more things oh, i personally would love to do one on toddler sleep um okay so what is your favorite thing about motherhood oh gosh um uh, probably i think like when they just look up at you and they just have so much love and like admiration in their eyes and you can just see that you're their whole world. Mm-hmm. It's just, yeah, it's really beautiful. Cause Amelia literally did that to me like earlier today. She just kind of looked up as she was feeding and you could just like, there's just so much love there. It's really, really beautiful. So I think that's probably one of my favorite things. Yeah, that is lovely. Yeah, that is love. I love that feeling. It's the best. Even when they're in their darkest yeah. moments and they still look at you and you're like, oh. yeah. <laughs> I just love yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> And I guess on the other end of that, what is your least favourite or the hardest thing about motherhood? Um, probably at the moment it would be like the sensory overwhelm and like overstimulation, I think, of having yeah. the three kids. Um, like, you know, Amelia might be crying, Harvey wants to talk to me about a book, Harvey's yeah. yelling at me for breakfast because she's still like the food because she's still hungry and just 
having everything is so much noise going on at once, I find really difficult. Yeah. Um, it's probably it's the hardest thing at sometimes. Moment. I don't know how you do it with three. No, I yeah. just like fast forwarded my brain and was like, oh, yeah. shut down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that's probably honestly the hardest thing. And then it is, it is I find I'm, I'm probably quite a sensitive person anyway. So I think I do get overstimulated pretty easily. So I find that when it's like that, because life is a bit more chaotic having the three like it's easy to become overstimulated and then you can feel like you're yourself you're getting a bit of like a short temper yourself because it's just mm. so much going on and maybe you haven't had breakfast yet or you haven't showered yet or you haven't like mm-hmm. met your own needs yeah. um so I'd say that's probably the hardest part and something that I'm probably still working on but I've got um my partner's there in the morning first thing so like he'll get up and make breakfast and kind of start getting the kids ready so when I get up I literally would just like go straight to the shower I'll just make sure I have like a nice mm. hot shower yep. like put some moisturizing cream on and feel like myself for the morning and then I'll like nice. maybe go and make coffee I kind of try to like start the day looking after myself a little bit first and then yeah. I find that I'm okay for the rest of it and I mean I'm still there I've still got you know the kids in the background and everything but yeah yeah, just trying to do that like one small thing first for Putting myself. Putting your oxygen mask helps. before you put on your child. Yeah, <laughs> yes. yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Oh no, I love that. And what is your best mum hack? Or maybe you just said it then actually just filling your own cup before you yeah, pour into one. everybody else in your household. <laughs> but what is your best mum hack or just something in life that you do to make things a little bit easier? Um, gosh, I don't know. Honestly, like having that shower first thing. I know it sounds like yeah. such a simple thing. But I'm just not myself during the day without it. Like I just yeah. feel like I feel horrible during the day if I haven't done that. Mm. Uh, but best, best mum hack in general I would say would probably be sideline feeding because I think it's just made such a difference with the amount of rest that I get. And I get so many mums message me who have seen like a reel that I've done online who have been like, I've just tried sideline feeding. Oh, my God, I can't believe it. I waited until now to try it. Like I wish I had yeah. done this since birth. <laughs> like I'm just getting so much more rest and like, you know, baby's feeding really well and I get lots of nice comments like that. So I think that's probably probably my best breastfeeding mum hack, I think. Love that. Yeah. No, that's perfect. Yeah. That Thank was really you. helpful. And before we go, where can everyone find you if they want to either get in touch with you or just, yeah, follow along with what you have Are you to having some, some time? I was before. Yeah. Have you having time off at the moment? Mm. Obviously, you've got a four-month-old. Oh, yeah. Well, like... I've just kind of started again, probably like oh, wow. just this week. <laughs> so okay. I've still kind of been pretty online yeah. with social media during the time, but I've just kind of reopened my books now, but I'm just going to be doing really limited consults so just for oh, a couple definitely. of months. So, um, yes, I, it's at Cocoon and Cradle and I'm on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook um, or cocoonandcradle.com and I do consults and really excitingly I'm about to relaunch my um, course Sleep Made Simple, which is how breastfeeding mums can get more sleep without sleep training. So oh, wow. that will be relaunching in August um, oh, that's and that's fun. really exciting because it's packed with heaps of value in it. Um, you get heaps of content. You get an online private community that I'm in that's going to have, like, expert guest speakers as well. Um, and, um, yeah, basically, like, a whole heap of – I can't really go into too much yet because I'm still putting the offer together, but, like, mm-hmm. a whole heap of support that's kind of going to cocoon new mums so that they that's basically fun. have everything they need in terms of, like, community and sleep. That sounds amazing. Oh, that's great. And we'll share yeah, that once you we definitely will. We'll share that on our page. So yeah, thank you. <laughs> All right, we might leave it there, guys. Thanks so much for this chat today. Appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me on. It's been great. I can't believe how fast it's gone. I know, it it has its flown. It has. And my son didn't wake up. Winning. Yay, win. (laughs) All right, well, we'll see you all next week. Thank you. Bye.